You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avzan, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Chul, here live at the studio. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you once again on this Tuesday afternoon. What an incredible opportunity each week, um, each day here on 101.9 High FM, two hours of Torah classes and Shiorim and insights that hopefully offer value in your life and an cre- incredible platform. I've always loved radio. People can fall asleep while you're talking and you would have no clue. Just don't fall asleep while you're driving. Do yourself a favor. So, let's start with a story today. A story sets the tone. The story is told about former Chief Rabbi Sachs. Jonathan Sachs tells the story himself that he was at one time at a meeting with Lubavitcher Rebbe. And during the conversation, somehow he ends up talking about, in this situation I find myself. And it was in the context that he was at university, and the Rebbe was telling him that although he's a student at university, he has to find a platform for himself to do outreach and teach his fellow Jews and his fellow students about ethics and morals and goodness and kindness and Judaism. And he says, in this situation I find myself. And before he could continue, the Rebbe cuts him off and says, you don't find yourself in a situation. You put yourself in a situation. And if you put yourself in one situation, you can put yourself in another situation. Let me repeat that. You don't find yourself in a situation. You put yourself in a situation. And if you put yourself in one situation, you can put yourself in another situation. We're right now in the month of Elul, and we're getting close to Rosh Hashanah. And this is the time of the year of reflection. That's right. We're already one week in, and everyone's reflecting, and everyone's trying to change, and everyone's talking about change. There's no uh, Every shir I'm listening to on 101.9 Chai FM, it's all talking about meditation and, and change and return and repentance, etc. The first and most important premise of change is the belief that we can and should change. Most of us often feel tied down in a reality. We feel that the cosmos has ordained that our life plays out in a certain way and we feel so much of it out of our control. We didn't choose our children. We chose our spouse, but we didn't really know who they are or maybe they changed after 10 years. We didn't change our, choose our body. We didn't choose our parents. We didn't choose a lot of our reality. And we convince ourselves that we're locked in. We don't find ourselves in situations. We put ourselves in situations. But before we continue, like every good show, we're going to start with a song. Because song sets the tone. This is a, a bit of a, I don't know, like a sad song, but I think it's a, it's also a beautiful song of the Jewish people, um, Al Narot Bavel on the rivers of Babylon, the famous chapter of Tehillim of Psalms, a beautiful song by Gad Baz. Hopefully it's uplifting message will resonate. And through that, we'll be able to launch onto the discussion. Farbring away here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. So how often do we find ourselves in the narrative of, ah, 
gosh, my life is in such a rut. I can't seem to figure out what my next step is. But if everybody else changed, then everything would be amazing. Right? I remember when I was a young kid and, believe it or not, had some social issues with friends. And I remember talking to my parents and to older people, and they always would say the same thing, which was absolutely grating on my nerves. And that was, it's all in your head. Not not that it's all in your head, as in they're not, you're not making up the stories. We believe you that you're having social issues. What's in your head is that if you choose to change your own self-perception and you choose to develop an inner self-confidence, 99% of the issues will disappear. But that person's a bully. Yeah, it's true. And we have to deal with them. But what do you have to deal with? You have to develop an inner stealth, inner strength, inner confidence. And that's what I used to hear. And it was so irritating because the problem was always out there. Right, DJ? The problem's always somebody else. If only your wife treated you better, ah, then you'd be in a good mood. And if only your kids got good marks and the test, everything would be incredible. And if only your boss was just a little softer and nicer to you, then everything would be incredible. If only this, if only that. We're always convinced the answer's out there. So basically, in our perception, life is supposed to be like this. You come into this world, and life is supposed to be hunky-dory, just wonderful, and no bumps on the road. And when there are no bumps in the road, good luck in accomplishing your mission. But the truth is that we were put into a world of challenge. I'm not talking about the, the, the painful challenges, which unfortunately are there, but we wish upon nobody and may, may they disappear. But even the regular challenge, waking up in the morning and feeling motivated, the challenge of finding inspiration, the challenge of dealing with people with various dynamics, human basic challenges. That means any person who woke up today will face challenges. There's no question. They might not consider it a challenge. For example, you're walking down the street and you bump into somebody in the shops and they say something to you. Now, you can either respond negatively, positively, make them feel good, make them feel bad, etc. Each moment of every day, we're challenged. We're challenged what we think. We challenged what we say. We're challenged what we do. Now, that's an interesting thing because most people don't think of it that way. Most people don't wake up every day saying, I'm going into the next 16 hours of challenges, right? What do we think? We think we're going to go through life and we're going to cruise. But the truth is, every moment's a challenge. Some challenges might be harder. Somebody walks over to you and slaps you across the face, and then the challenge is how to deal with it. You get fired from the job or something else. Those are hectic challenges, but every moment of every day is a challenge. I have a challenge right now. You know, DJ's sitting right next to me. I could be very nice to him, or I could say something very nasty. DJ, what would I say about you? Uh, I could say something very nasty on air. Now, that's a challenge. I'm I'm being challenged right now, and everything that, you know, as I'm talking to you on the radio, I'm challenged. How do I make sure the message comes across the best way possible? How do I make sure that each word is the correct word, and, it, and the, the passion is correct, and that I don't come out misunderstood? 
Everything I'm doing is a challenge. Every time I sit and talk to my child, it's a challenge how I can make the most out of the conversation. Every time I talk to my spouse, every time I do anything, every moment of every day is God looking at us and saying, do yourself a favor and do the world a favor and get it right. Think correctly, say correctly, speak correctly, do correctly, feel correctly, be in the right headspace. We are put into this world and that is not a perfect world. And the challenge God gives us is to live in that world and do the best instead of wishing the whole day. If only I had a different world. If only I had a different personality. If only my IQ was 10 points higher. If only I was more handsome. If only my hair was a different color. God, if only, if only, if then everything would be... You're like, no, but that's not the purpose. If you would, if, if you would be blonde, you would be a different person, but, I mean, you could paint your hair blonde, but that's not the point. Be who you are. DJ, you're laughing on air, that's not good. Um, be who you are, be authentic, be, be personable, be genuine, be who you are. And yes, your life isn't perfect and your IQ is 22 and, and you, and you're totally tactless. And you'll never make it to the front page of a magazine, thank God, because that will save you some issues in your life. And it's fine. And it's beautiful. And it's not only fine, that's you. As we are in this month of Ella and we're heading to Rosh Hashanah, the first step into any commitment of transformation is to accept that we are who we're supposed to be. And the only thing that God asks us is to be the best us that we can be. To stop looking and saying, what if? I remember my, my mentor one time telling me, he says, when you say what if, it's heresy. Because what you're saying is, if what if I had this and this and that? But if God designed it, that you're not going to have it, you don't need it. We don't need it. If God wanted you a billionaire, he would have figured it out. He would have given you the perfect opportunity to make a billion dollars. And maybe he will. Please, God, we should all be billionaires in pounds. But if God wanted me right now a billionaire, I would be. Instead, he decided, I'm going to sit here in FM and talk to you. And I'm sure they're going to give me the billion dollar check after the hour is over. And that's fine. And that's perfect. And that's genuine. And that's the role. But often we know exactly what everybody else should be doing the role. If I had as much money as Mr. Howard, oh, then I would do this and this. And if I had a marriage like them, and if my kids was that clever, like Mrs. Cohen's kids, oh, that. Well, if God wanted your kids to be as clever as Mrs. Cohen's kids, he would have given you clever kids like Mrs. Cohen's kids. We're spending so much time understanding how everyone else is getting their life wrong or imagining that they're getting their life right, and the only person we have to look into over the next few weeks, and truth is 12 months a year, is in ourselves, in ourselves, to look inside and ask yourself, am I me? Am I true to me? And am I looking elsewhere to blame issues, or am I willing to say, I am who I'm supposed to be, and all I have to do is just be the best version of me? Now, I know this idea might sound cliche, 
But I know myself and I know many people around me. We, we can fall into the trap a day after we heard this. That means he could have heard this message yesterday and today we're again falling in the trap and convincing ourselves that it's our medical issue, it's our this issue, it's our that issue. It's my, it's the spouse, it's the sister, it's the mother-in-law. It's me. It's only, only, only me. Not that I could fix everything because not everything has to be fixed. God didn't design me to have everything perfect. But it's only me to bake the best of my reality. And on that thought, I want to play you a song that's one of my favorite songs. It's called Superman. And it's about this kid that believes he'll become a Superman. And he actually becomes one. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. You're listening to the Farbrengen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 Chai FM. DJ, we already know. Don't hide anything. We know where all the taxes... Here on the radio, SARS is letting you know they know everything. Oh boy, gosh! And like they're, they're saying it in this month, and like I wonder if they know everything. What does God know? And really, um, I was just as I was hearing the advert, I was like, "What's God trying to send me with playing that SARS advert in the middle of my show?" Because God also knows, but He's not as scary. He doesn't sound as scary as that advert. We're going to find you. It's more of a nicer, um, I, I like you, um, I care about you, whatever you do in your life means something to me, and I know everything about you because I created you and I'm involved in your life. Uh, that resonates a bit more. I think Sarah should you know, soften their message a bit. Um, so let's talk. Let's talk about this idea. Here on 101.9 Chai FM, my name is Rabbi Levi Aftson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul. Our SMS number is 34519. Email on air at com. Tweet at ChaiFM 062-148-2374. 062-148-2374. And I want to focus in the next few minutes on one detail. Instead of focusing on the general idea, it's all in our hands. Yeah. I heard it before, cliche, turn the radio off, go to sleep. No, let's focus on one specific idea, and that is in the area of relationships. Because this is the month that we're not only focusing on the relationship between God and us, we're focusing on the relationship between human and human. So much so that the Torah tells us that when it comes to Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, if there is a variable, if there's a misunderstanding, there's a fight between two people, God does not forgive that. He only forgives issues that happen between him and the person, not between two people, because that we have to solve ourselves. So very often we get carried away in this month of focusing on the God-me issue. So let me, oh gosh, oh, I didn't learn that day. Oof, my davening. Or, you know, I don't come to show off and whatever the issue is. And each person has their issue that they feel they want to change. But as much of a focus, and you might even say more of a focus, has to be to work out issues between people. This is the time of the year before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to work issues out. So here's the challenge. The challenge is, do we believe that we can solve the issues between us and others? Can every relationship be salvaged? Can every relationship at least reach the level of cordiality? Or is some of our relationships destined to be an absolute failure, disaster, aggravation, variable forever? And I have to say that for many years, I believe that some relationships are unredeemable. Some relationships will just be terrible. 
until recently where I decided to challenge myself and I said, can I work out every problematic relationship that I am aware of? I challenged myself with that. Everyone. And you know what I discovered? It's not so hard to solve problems. I'm not saying you can become best buddies after that, but I don't think we're supposed to be best buddies with 7 billion people. That's impossible. It's against human nature, and it's, it's not possible. You can't even be best friends with everybody in your social circle. You might not even be best friends with all your siblings. We're not... The mitzvah, the commandment of love your fellow as yourself is not a mitzvah to love everybody and enjoy their company every moment of every day. I mean, gosh, even your own spouse who you love, chances are if you spent with them 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, uh, you would be climbing the walls eventually. People need space. But we're talking about relationships. We're saying, can we make every relationship in our lives manageable, decent, and cordial? And I wholeheartedly believe the answer is yes. Okay, I'm not talking about me trying to work out a relationship with ISIS. I mean, uh, first of all, I have no, I have no passion for that. And yes, there are psychopaths and crazies. But I'm saying, in the most part, with two people who are relatively normal and imperfect, because that's the definition of normal. There's nobody I know that are angels, and whoever, you know, you heard the story about um, the two women who's talking, and one woman says, my husband's amazing, he's an angel. And the other one says, you're lucky, mine's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not about being perfect, but the, the question is, can two normal people, can two regular people find happiness and work out a relationship? And I believe the answer is absolutely yes. And the truth is, only after I challenged myself to that challenge did I discover that it's true. Because those relationships that we are convinced are absolutely rotten, we build pies in the sky, we develop conspiracies, oh, that, that person hates my guts, and that person's there, and there's this and there's that. And nine out of ten times, it's not nearly as scary as we think it is. But how many of us take the courage to say, I can salvage that relationship. I will reach out to my sibling. I will be the one who will break my ego and be the first. It's tough. It's so tough. And every time you do it, you feel like you're shattering your ego. You, you feel like you're compromising your identity. But the message of, that I was trying to share today is that we can do something about everything. You can redeem that relationship. Again, it's not about becoming best friends, but it's about going away from the level of animosity. God expects each and every one of us, and we should expect it from ourselves as well, that by the time we finish this year, there is no unfinished business between us and others. And if we believe we can face the challenge, we can. I've seen people overcome the most incredible fights within families or within complicated relationships and with goodwill on both sides they can come to a better place as long as they believe they can but uh, but if you feel that's the other person if only my brother was more of a mensch if only he hadn't stolen the inheritance if only this if only that if only this if only that of course you're never going to solve it because you're expecting them to come on all fours and beg you for forgiveness and still you're going to hold it back but if I don't want to live with anger, if I don't want to live with hatred, then I have to do the first step because I can't live with it. Because one thing I've learned is, if I live with anger, I'm the one that's hurt. 
If I hate somebody, I'm hurt more than the person. Like the famous statement that says, they say the hatred is like drinking poison, thinking somebody else will die. You die. And I've shared this story before, but for me, this story was one a pivotal story in my life. I was 10, 12 years old, and I got upset with a classmate. Ooh, was I upset. How dare he talk to me like that? Ah! So what did I decide I'm going to do? I'm not going to talk to him for six weeks. Now, you try to be in a classroom with somebody for six weeks and not talk to them. It is miserable. Absolutely miserable. Now, I had to keep my own resolution, right? You know, I'm a man of my word. So I'm not talking to him for six weeks. And every time he raises a question and he has something to say to the teacher, I have no comments. Anyways, after six weeks, my resolution is over and I start talking to him again. And he's talking to me as if nothing ever happened. And I'm getting irritated because, like, what is this? So eventually I mustered the courage. I remember actually where it was, like, it's pivotal in my mind. I mean, this is over 20 years ago. Uh, I'm standing on the corner on my, where my parents live in Brooklyn. And I turn to him and I say, you know, Jack, um, did you know this? I didn't talk to you for six weeks. No. You didn't talk to me for six weeks? I had no idea. <laughs> and that's when I realized that the only person I punished in those six weeks was me. I had to bite my tongue, get irritated myself every time I want to say something I didn't because I'm going to punish him. But he didn't even know this. And I've kept that memory in my mind. It's never going to leave me because it taught me such a powerful lesson. I'm going to be angry at that person forever and ever. And who's going to lose? You or them? Whose heart is going to be full of hatred? Yours or theirs? Yours. And our heart only has space for one thing. You can either hate or love. You cannot be a heart full of hatred and truly love somebody else. And you've seen it. There's, Unfortunately, in people, there are patterns. People who hate... It's a pattern in all the relationships. I've yet to meet people who are truly loving and truly hateful in the same person. Because if you have that personality that can be so hateful and resentful, it will permeate the personality, the, the whole a being, the whole personality. But if we challenge ourselves to rid our heart from hatred, because we can do whatever we aim to do. It's in our hands. That's really the message. It's in our hands. Every issue in our life is in our hands. It could be somebody else's fault, but it's your problem. Again, it could be somebody else's fault, but it's your problem. Only then, only when I become aware it's my problem and it's my challenge and God put me into this world to overcome the challenge and solve that relationship. Will I go ahead? And here, I, I put out a big, a, a big challenge to all of us. There's three weeks to Rosh Hashanah. If you can't solve all your complicated relationships, solve one. But how can we expect to walk into another year? Forget about God punishing us, giving us a good year, a bad year. I'm not even focusing on that. How do we want to start another year with hatred in our hearts? Why would we enter another year of our life? How many years do we get to live on this planet? 80, 90, please God. Why would we spend another day with resentment? It's so fake. It's so fake. 
I remember standing in the graveyard and seeing this person begging apology from his brother who he hadn't spoken to in 20 years. And I thought to myself, it's too late. Why? You're asking forgiveness from a gravestone? You're never going to talk to him again. Couldn't you have done it a year ago when he was still alive? Every day that we live with hate, when we're punishing the world and we're punishing ourselves. And if we're going to enter a new relationship with God, and we're going to ask God for a clean slate, even though we've really botched up this year, right? We've had those things that we shouldn't have done. Can we give that same benefit to somebody else? Yes, they were imperfect and they said something stupid and they called you on the phone and they were nasty to you and they had a temper tantrum and they, they called you a bunch of names. You know, there's a thing called when you go mechula or when you, chapter 11, when you go bankrupt, right? And then your, all your debts are forgiven. Because at a certain stage, society realized that people have to be able to rebuild themselves. And if they're just going to get into more debt and more debt and more debt and more, they're never going to rebuild themselves. So you just say, okay, it's over. You're, you know, you declared bankruptcy and now you can restart. And God gave us the same opportunity. We, we make mistakes, etc. Then Yom Kippur, one day a year, restart. Can we do that for each other? Okay. Your brother-in-law is obnoxious. And your sister is impossible. And your mother puts you down. I all the excuses. Can you just let go? Gosh, the amount of resentment some of us live, and I'm not putting myself out of it. I think, you know, we all struggle. That's the human condition. We struggle with so much resentment. That teacher in grade three that did, that told me I'm dumb and I'm never going to be anything in my life. And look at, look at me now. Um, whatever it is. A heart only has a certain amount of space. And either we're going to fill that heart with love and forgiveness and start the new year with a less heart. You know, everyone talks about the new year resolution to lose weight. Listen to this, DJ. The challenge of this year is to lose weight in your heart. Let go of the weight of your heart. That resentment, that anger, that 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 bitterness. Let it go. It's the best diet because you know what? You could be 70 kilo and be your perfect weight. But if you have a heavy heart, you're not going to be healthy. Stress will kill you. Resentment will kill you. But if you can, you know, you could be 80, 90 kilo. You can have a little stomach. You know, in Yiddish, they call it a challenge challenge stomach. But if you have a light heart, you'll live much longer. So yes, we all have to go on the diet, and I'm not here to say, you know, I have my Fitbit, and we're going, and we're walking, and we're getting the thousands of steps. But the biggest diet of, and the best resolution for the coming year is not to walk 10,000 steps and to lose a kilo. It's to lose a kilo of your heart, to let go of the nonsense, let go of stress, let go of anger, let go of resentment. Just l- allow ourselves to love, because the heart only has a certain amount of room. Here on 101.9 High FM on Soul to Soul. You're listening to the Farbringen with Rabbi Levi Avzan on 101.9 High FM. You're listening to 101.9 High FM, and here we are. And thanks for being with us on this beautiful Tuesday. Gosh, spring's in the air. You agree? The weather is finally... Is the cold behind us? Or, DJ, it's coming at us again? I bet I'm sick and tired of the cold. It's time to sit there warming up, take the jerseys off, and actually live in our own homes in comfort. 
and start putting the fans on. Rosh Hashanah is three weeks from tomorrow night. Whoa, panic. No. Rosh Hashanah is three weeks from tomorrow night and the message and, and the, the take home idea is to challenge ourselves, to look only inside ourselves as a solution of all our issues, to stop looking outside our soul, to stop looking and saying the issue is there. The relationship problems are there. The marriage, if only my husband would change, I would have a good marriage. If only my kid would get A's on his exam, would I finally be happy? It's all us. And I've learned it in my own life, how when we change our own self-perception, when we change the way we see ourselves automatically, most of our issues are solved around us. Yes, bullies should be held accountable. But often we focus about what bullies do wrong, and that's important. But rarely do we teach the victims how to develop a same confidence that later on in life they'll never be bullied again. Because the world is full of bullies. And one approach, which is valid, is dealing with them. But the other approach is as valid is to build up people that they should no longer be victims. Because what often happens is victims then become bullies. Because the victim feels insecure, so that the only way they'll feel secure is by bullying somebody else. It's often the same person who's both. And also, we don't want our kids or ourselves to be victims later on. And the only way to stop the victim mentality is when we have an inner security, and uh, uh, a, not an insecurity, an inner security, a self-confidence, a belief that we're good enough and that we're deserving of love and that we're not s- s- full of self-doubt. What boggles my mind is how many of us walk around with well-dressed and you know presentable and self-confident and straight backs trying to convince the world that we're feeling comfortable in our own skin and how totally uncomfortable we are. We're absolutely insecure. And the smallest needle comes and the balloon goes pop. And if I'm insecure, I'll never be able to take on the real issues of life. I'm never going to solve my variable, my fight with my sister if I'm insecure. Only a person of strength, somebody who's overcome their own insecurity can then approach and deal with issues with the confidence that they can and the confidence that it's within their power. But if I feel insecure, I'll never feel that I could do anything. There's no question in my mind that the challenge of the 21st century is not ISIS. I think we spoke about this last week, DJ, did we? The challenge of this 21st century is not ISIS. It's not materialism. It's not even technology, and it's not even AI. It's people feeling insecure. People feeling that they're not good enough. People feeling like they cannot cope with their life. And that's why when the historians are going to write the tagline of the 21st century, what are they going to say? I'm just not coping. That's the line of the 21st century. I'm just not coping. I'm totally overwhelmed. I'm totally overwhelmed. I just can't. Do you know how busy my life is? I mean, do you know? Do you know? My my life's busy. Can I, should I show you my Google calendar? It's really busy. We're not coping. We are coping if we believe we can cope. 
if we believe that God gave us the ability to cope with our lives, not only cope, thrive, to build, to be incredible. We have to stop that. Ugh. It's other people's problems. I can't do anything about it. Only if my wife decides to change and only if my husband decides to change, then the marriage is going to be solved. I've seen marriages where only one of the two decided to change. And it changed everybody. Because it's almost impossible to live with a good person and still be obnoxious. Unless you're really, you know, like you're clinically impossible to be happy. I don't know. Most of us, most human beings, now it's put literally 99% of people, if they're living with goodness, they become good. So yes, maybe your spouse is really uh, a pain. And you chose someone difficult. First of all, it was your choice. Don't blame anybody else. But second of all, if you decide to bring goodness and good energy and good vibes and home, it's impossible that they will resist it. You, nobody, it's not in our DNA to resist love. True love. I'm not saying romance and nice flowers. I'm saying true kindness and goodness. And it's incredible. You think you have a, a relationship, a t- difficult relationship with your teenager. And it's all their fault. If only my 15-year-old son or 15-year-old daughter treated me well. I guarantee you this. If you love them with all your heart, and you tell it to them over and over, even when they roll their eyes and they turn red in the face, I guarantee you they're appreciating it. And I guarantee you one day they're going to come and say thank you. Because it, all it takes is one person to solve relationships. It takes two people to create a fight. But it takes one person to solve a relationship. One person wants to fight and the other person wants to keep the peace. Peace will win. Because light is much more powerful than darkness. One candle can illuminate an entire room. It doesn't take two to make peace. It takes one. It doesn't take both of you to solve your marriage. Yes, it would be incredible if both of you go to therapy. One of you is good enough. Just one. One person who decides, I can make a difference. One person in the entire family who decides, enough with the fights, enough with the insanity, I want my family to be normal. One rock in a family, one person who's stable and consistent and reliable, and the whole family changes. And you know what? It's not easy. Because it's so much easier to say, I've tried so much. Do you know how much I invested in the marriage? As if when you invest in marriage, you're doing her a favor or him. You're doing yourself a favor. It's so funny how we think about that way. We think, I put already 50% in the marriage. I put 70% in the marriage. Who do you think you did a favor to? Yourself. You want a marriage, right? The fact that she's or he are not giving as much, it's their problem. But you're, you're not building a happy marriage for them. You're building it for yourself. You're building it for your children. You're building it for yourself. So instead of saying, gosh, I gave 60% and I only gave 40%. I'm nicer to my kid than my kid is nicer to me. So what? It takes one person to solve. And I remember a few years ago, I was talking about a similar theme. 
um, about making peace. And I had the incredible blessing that somebody walked over to me months later and told me that thanks to the show, he resolved the fight between him and a, and a close family relative. You know, th- that was honestly one of the best feelings ever in in life to know that just from sitting here on the radio and talking about peace. And I challenge all of us and I challenge myself. You have three weeks to Rosh Hashanah and work on your relationship with God, but work on your relationship with people as well. Cross that bridge. Change the dynamics of the relationship. Stop treating that person that way. Stop feeling about a certain person that way. Stop hating your sibling so much. Stop hating your spouse so much. There is so much to love in your sibling. There is so much to love in your spouse. There is so much to love in your parent and there's so much to love in your child and whatever it is. But those are the most important relationships. There is so much to love. And if you can't find it, then go ask somebody who loves them and say, what did you find in my sister that's so lovable? And look for it yourself and rebuild that relationship because every one of us will gain in our own health. Let it stop talking spiritual. Physically, a healthy heart without resentment is a healthy body. It's almost every single medical condition today has been tied to stress and resentment and anger and, and frustration. Let go. Let go. We're entering a new year. Instead of sitting and going, ah, do you think the new year ISIS is going to be destroyed? And do you think Donald Trump will be president in a year's time? That's all the stuff that's honestly, it's so little the port, the importance is so small compared to the real stuff. You think that's the big stuff. And that's why on, on radio or on, on television, you turn on and all they're talking about is Donald Trump and Jacob Zuma. You think that's the big stuff. The big stuff is the fight with your sister. That's big stuff. And if you solve it, that's even bigger stuff. The big stuff is the fact that you and your ex aren't uh, talking to each other decently and your kids are being ruined in the process. That's big stuff. Let's stop thinking that the big problems of the world are out there. Oh, yes, the world has problems. But that's not what destroys civilizations. That's not what destroys societies, and that's not the biggest threat to the world. The biggest threat is the, the ISIS in our hearts. The ISIS in our minds. The anger inside of us. The resentment that's killing us and killing the ones around us and, and making our homes devoid of love. Make a resolution to inject your home with so much positivity, so much optimism and good messages and love and forgiveness. Gosh, wouldn't you want your kids to say at your funeral, my dad or my mom was such a forgiving person. They never held a resentment for more than necessary. The moment they were able to let go of it, they let it go. Or do you want them to say, you know, we sat here at the funeral of the late Jack who had a, a list as long as his Facebook friends of all the people he wanted to kill. And if only he had a gun, he would have killed them. No, that's not a compliment. The compliment is to finish off the year, finish off our lives, because each year is a mini life without resentment, with love. I want to finish off with this uh, beautiful comment. Thank you. Very good program, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you to the Miss, Mr. or Mrs. Anonymous. Have a great week. 
Thank you, DJ, for being here on the controls and being a good bouncing ear and laughing at all my jokes. Because, you know, on the radio, I have no idea if people are laughing or they're saying, oh, my gosh, that was so awkward. So thank you for that. And have a great week. And please go. We'll be back here Tuesday at 1 o'clock on the Fabringen Show. My name is Robbie Levy-Opson. Have a great week.